0: Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another housing matters podcast my name is Oscar way senior economist of California Association of Realtors I am here Jordan Levine hi everyone great Jordan we uh, have um, we had last time we did this was about three weeks ago And between then and now we have a couple things uh, we had a couple things released uh, the one thing that was released this week was the August sales and price report
1: that's right yeah and uh sales continue to go up despite all the odds and headwinds. We, you know, added more sales. They're up 1.3% on a year over year basis and actually came back a little bit from July's dip. So things are continuing to move forward despite some of the, again, some of the challenges that we continue to talk about every week.
0: Yeah, and I know that we, um, in the past we I think maybe even uh, last time when we talked about sales, uh, we said, you know, in the first half of the year, uh it was a little stronger it seems like we are seeing a little bit of a slowdown uh particularly um if you look at the uh the number i think uh at the beginning of the year it was about 4 or 5% year over year increase and uh the latest number is only about i and i said only but it's still a decent number uh 2.7% is that correct
1: Yep, that's right. So we did have a, a really great start to the year. We started the year with a bang. And like you said, I think things were actually even slightly higher than 5% at one point at the end of the first quarter. But since then, we've pretty much had five months of consecutive slowing in terms of that year-to-date number. So we you know, ended the first quarter, like you said, up 5.3%. And ever since then, it's continued continued to to kind of fall off toward that 2.7 percent which is where we are compared to the same point in 2016 that's still forward progress obviously and sales are still in that kind of 420 ish thousand range but uh it's the inventory and the affordability i think continue to hold back the market i think again at the beginning there was a lot of folks who were probably pretty. Uh, worried about higher rates, you know, sitting in December, January, we were thinking we were going to see a lot more rate hikes. We know the Fed also met this week, which I know we'll talk about later. But I think all of that stuff really motivated folks at, at the beginning of the year to to try and get what was out there. But since then, it's been you know, much more challenging as as the supply continues to dwindle.
0: Yeah, and I kept on uh, uh, reiterating, I think, uh, last couple of times. On uh, interest rates of course we had low interest rates and a low interest rate seems to be the reason uh, for a lot of people to kind of uh, jump into the market and buy uh, but at the same time we are also continuing to see uh, rates continue to stay at a very low level so people may be getting used to the low rates and they're not necessarily pulling sales forward in fact I think some of the sales might have been pulled forward in the second half of the year on the rest of the year so um, do you think uh, there's a chance that we might be seeing some slowdown and further slowdown? Let's say in August and uh, uh, October, November, and maybe the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to be the the Debbie Downer, but you know, when I look out at the supply, which was active listings, I think we're down almost 12% in August. Um, if you look at that, taken together with the fact that prices continue to rise at you know more than seven percent. That I think is gonna be challenging and I think the other thing that folks need to keep in mind about just the overall growth rate numbers and why I feel still fairly confident in our 1% forecast for the year is that we had really strong months last year in October and November to do with TRID, right? Where a lot of those sales that were happening during the summer and fall months, they got pushed back into October and November. That really pumped up growth in those two months last year I think we even posted a 17%-ish increase back in November of of 2016. And so it's hard to think that we're gonna shoot back up to that 440,000 sales level to to maintain that level of growth that we had last October and November. And so even if we only give half of that back and we maintain relatively high levels of sales comparatively, but we don't maintain that 20% almost jump, then, 1% looks eminently reasonable from a forecast standpoint. So, unfortunately, I think sales will continue to slow down, but I think we will end the year up. And, of course, prices, again, are up, so so volume is going to be up for for our members.
0: Yeah, I mean, given the environment that we are in right now, of course, um, economic growth, we're seeing some economic growth, not robust. uh, But 1% is not bad at all. Um, and also um, you addressed the issue of uh, supply. I mean, we didn't go into the specific number um, But we have a very tight supply situation right now, and uh, I know the uh, active listing is down a double-digit again um, And it's been down double digit since the beginning of the year. I know you actually look at some of the um, uh, supply situation maybe by uh, price point or by uh, some geographic area Uh, do you have any additional information that you can provide for the uh, supply condition
1: yeah i mean it's really a a tale of two markets i said in the press release this week because when you look at both where sales growth is happening and where it's not happening, uh, it really lines up and overlays very well with what the inventory situation looks like by price point. So at the very top end of the market, multi-million dollar homes, there isn't really a dearth of listings out there. We're talking about five, six, and at the very top end of three million plus, I think more than nine months of supply. The the 2.9 months that we had, I think in, in August, is really a function of very tight supply down at the bottom end of the market where sales are actually negative and where inventory is even lower than 2.9 months of supply somewhere around 2.6 months, I think at the very bottom end. And so at the top end, the market continues to move forward. And that's a big piece of the growth that we're seeing this year is things, you know, 750 or a million plus is is really where most of the growth is happening. And everything even below, you know, 500,000 is is where things are, are really struggling to make do with both the lack of supply and also what that's doing in terms of competition that's where days on market is the lowest right right? is at the bottom end of the market so the homes are selling quick sales to list price are high pretty much across the board except for at the very top end we're seeing some discounting but you know folks aren't getting deals at the bottom end they're selling quick and the inventory is very tight so there's a lot of competition out there and as a result prices are growing uh, more than what you see Statewide, just for the overall median, I think the bottom twenty percent of homes were up almost eleven percent in terms of price compared to just seven percent across the board. And so, I think that that really speaks to how how it really matters what price point your your clients or or you are shopping in in terms of how much competition and and what's happening to prices and inventory.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned about uh, time of market. Of course, it's something that realtors definitely want to uh, let let their clients know uh dropped down to a pretty significant level compared to a year ago. Um, that means a lot of multiple uh, offers, a lot of competition. Uh, we do have an annual housing market survey that have some uh, survey results that we can share. Maybe not today because uh, we're still working on those, uh, but it shows that we have a lot of competition out there. You address the issues of uh, a lot of uh, um, uh, increase in price, but then there's also some uh, possibly some price cutting uh, coming into the because um, uh, we as we transition into uh more slow season um but you know the of course obviously the supply issue is going to c- uh, continue on most likely for uh quite a bit of time um and we'll probably continue to see some uh dropped in uh, time of market so uh, agents as well as clients probably uh, need to uh, be do their diligence, due diligence and uh, act fast on certain things uh, for buyers. For sellers, of course, um, they need to be able to price housing uh, at the appropriate level uh, right. to get the the the, the um, property sold fast. Um, so of course um we'll continue monitoring this and um, next week well, a couple of weeks later we will have our econ forecast i'm sure we'll talk more about those um in the next couple of weeks now um changing direction to a little bit now starting you know last episode we start giving a, uh, a tough five of five um, for some of the um, news that we talked about um, within the period of last episodes and this episode so we want to repeat that because we seem to we want to inform our listeners on some of the news that appeared in uh, in, in the media. So, yeah, definitely. I'll let you know no, first. The five
1: for five would be really fun just to kind of talk about some of the stuff that's tangential to housing, but is of interest and is, you know, more topical and, and spend a couple of minutes talking exactly. through that just so that folks stay on top of those issues. Exactly.
0: So let's shoot one out. Let me uh, let me shoot one now. I know you have spent a little bit of time time on tax reform, and of course, tax reform uh, is on a lot of people's agenda. And we might be having some news next week. So if you can if you can uh, say something about it. Uh, yeah, definitely.
1: No, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I will be a busy bee in the coming days <laughs> on uh, the beginning of. The week starting August or September 24th actually we're expecting that the tax reform proposal will hit Congress one of the things that we're expecting to see is that that standard deduction will be if not doubled close to it going up to right. twenty four thousand dollars a year that anyone can deduct off their uh, federal income tax bill regardless of whether they rent or own and what that means for housing essentially is that that could potentially really undermine the incentive I guess that's out there currently tax wise for folks to make that jump from rental to home ownership because you do stand to get a significant tax savings with prices where they are in California that usually puts people in a good spot from a the standpoint of catapulting yourself above that standard deduction threshold well once that goes up to 24,000 it's going to take a pretty expensive home To actually get you above that level and so I think most Californians are going to opt to just take that standard deduction and I worry about the incentive to become a homeowner the other big thing that's potentially in the works on tax reform which could be particularly severe in a place like California is the uh, ability to currently deduct your state and local taxes so California is a fairly high income tax state we also have because of our property prices, fairly high property taxes. And so not only will folks probably just opt to take the standard deduction, one of the reasons they'll opt to take the standard deduction is that even if they have a mortgage at four or $500,000, dollars that isn't enough on its own to get you above that standard deduction. Once you throw in five, $6,000 worth of property tax, And whatever amount of money that you're spending in terms of state income taxes it usually gets you above that standard deduction level and so again this is going to be something that's going to hit Californians in their pocketbook essentially and with affordability conditions already as tight as they are that just puts us even further behind the eight ball and then you take away that that incentive that also exists for renters to become homeowners and and I just worry about what the future of home ownership looks like in, in California going forward under those kind of conditions, right? Because that's kind of the trifecta of both low affordability, a tax hit, and then removing the incentive to become a homeowner. And, and the state does better when lots of folks own their own homes and are accumulating wealth and are able to live comfortably and spend their incomes here and not have to move to places like Texas and Nevada in Arizona and so so I think that putting more money in folks pocketbooks is is a good thing and and we want people to be able to take more of their hard earned money home but not at the cost of home ownership right
0: yeah definitely yeah. not i mean
1: you're absolutely right. The property tax
0: uh, uh being able to deduct state and local property tax, I think it's been a big part of um why people want to buy a home of course that's only part of the reasons, but it is financially it is a big part of it um for people who have i mean as you said you know we our median price is about five hundred sixty um then a lot of people are have you know five hundred and six hundred thousand these are just middle class uh, households and you know if you take away that incentive. Uh, that definitely will deter home ownership. I mean, home ownership right now is at around uh, 53, 54 right now. You know, if we take about the take uh, take away the incentive, you know, who knew, who knows? Especially since we have a supply situation right now, uh, supply conditions uh, crisis right now. Uh, if we take away uh, a lot more uh, the incentive for home ownership, you know, the home ownership will definitely continue to decline, uh, which is not what we want to see. Um, so what else? Uh, what else I, is I out know. there on the
1: horizon? I could talk about that all day, but I know. Uh, I know. We also yeah, had some movement on with, rates, right? What's What do you think is going to happen with that? I, I know there was some movement associated with the hurricanes, or at least I think it had something to do with the hurricanes, where rates went down and then looks like they're coming back up. Do you have any insight?
0: Yeah, there are a couple of things that affect uh, the interest rates now. Um, so I'll. Talk about those two as the next two or five the one thing that happens is of course in the last uh, few weeks or so we have a lot of disasters uh, hurricanes being um, uh, two or three of them uh, we have Harvey we have Irma we have of course recently uh, Maria Maria uh, is not really hitting us as hard but you know take a look at you know if you look at the news you know that in Texas and um, Florida we got some hard-hit um, uh, areas and um, Obviously, if, if someone's uh, paying attention to the uh, NAR report, uh, you know that uh, August sales uh, has gone down a little bit, uh, partly because of uh, what happened in, uh, in Texas. Obviously, when the area is flooded, uh, you can't really sell any homes. And if I remember correctly, Texas uh, makes up maybe about 12% of uh, total home sales at the national level. Like, don't quote me on that. I can't remember the exact number, but it's a huge state. So, so when they take a hit, numbers. we feel it nationwide. Definitely. Definitely. But at the same time, um, economically, um, it's not just hitting the housing market. Obviously, housing market pay- plays a big role in the economy. So when there is a hit on the housing market, there's also a hit on you know the general economic condition. So it is possible that you know uh, between uh, in, in August and September and maybe even October we probably will see a slowdown in economic growth because of all uh, the uh, disasters that hitting some of the major states, and because of that reason, if uh, the third quarter number previously probably uh, expected to be a little bit higher. Uh, But uh, for now, I think it probably will have to adjust a little bit downwards for the third quarter. As such, it is possible that the Federal Reserve uh, expectation or anticipation of the uh, Fed funds rate increase probably has been lowered. It is very possible uh, based on my perspective that the short-term interest rates uh, or Fed funds rate probably may not be raised in the second half of the rest of the year Maybe towards December when we start seeing a little bit of recovery mode, because you know, in in, in when we recover from a disaster, is usually a little bit more money is spent on sure. um, the economy. So there might be a possibility of free interest rates. We'll uh, catch up a little catch-up effect. Exactly. Well, we know that yesterday um, or a couple of days ago when the Federal Reserve uh, met up, they decided to just keep it uh, uh, flat, uh, keep it- uh, Right. Uh, they didn't move it at
1: all. Back. Right, yeah. and
0: I asked that in the next meeting, probably we'll uh, see the same thing. So, very yeah, and, and, I tend to agree with uh, you on
1: that. I mean, I take a more simplistic view of rates, not being as savvy on the financial <laughs> economic side myself. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, in the run up to the the hurricanes, we saw those coming, and I just think people, you know, fled to to safety, to bonds, and not brought down rates and now that exactly. you know, the hurricanes are are behind us, they're leaving safety a bit and that's pushing the 10 year bond yield back to where it was before the storms essentially. And so I don't expect a huge movement on rates, especially since the fed didn't, didn't do anything and stayed their hands. So I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see rates move that high throughout the rest of this year with or without a fed funds rate hike, but I don't think they'll be raising even in December either.
0: That's true, and and I'm glad that you brought up uh, brought up the um, uh, money flowing into the bond market because that's the the un- another reason why the interest rates probably will stay put for maybe the short period of time or maybe for the next month or so is because of ge- geopolitical tension. You know that you know uh, you don't have to uh, pay attention just on the twitters, uh, sure. But you know when you look at the media, you know that there's been a lot of things going on. Um, Rocket I mean, you know, man, etc. North Korea. Right, yes. exactly, um, and so there is potential. I mean, I'm not saying that there will be war, but you know, at least the uh, war of words. You know, you can you know see on the media that there is a lot of talk about okay, spin bomb and like that. So people right. get scared, and of course not necessary to a level that they will pull everything out of the stock market, but they have a lot of stock investors, for example, they want to make sure that their money is safe. So, so yeah, make sure that it's safe, as you said, they move money into the bond market.
1: Yeah, bonds start to look more attractive as the, the world's level of chaos rises, I guess.
0: Exactly. And of course, even though nothing may happen but economically there could be uh, people holding back on spending or people investment holding back uh, so there could be a potential uh, slowdown, further slowdown, because of uh, the what's going on with the geopolitical tension uh, in the market so that's another yeah. reason why we're seeing some um, maybe um, non-movement in interest rates which is good for the housing market in a way
1: yeah no, definitely. I think that uh, from uh, the demand side, I think it's it's there both from interest rates and also from jobs, which I know is our our next topic, but uh, right. there are some red flags out there on the jobs front, right?
0: Right. Should we be concerned about that? I think uh, we're I mean, I'm,
1: some California specifically. Yeah, California, is, it saw some job loss last month, 8,200 jobs, which isn't a, a huge number in terms of overall job losses. But... What's more concerning for me is that for the better part of the last six years, we've consistently outpaced the U.S. average overall. So not only have we been growing, but we've been growing much faster than what you see in the rest of the nation up until this year. And really, over the course of the last six months, California has actually stopped growing faster than the nation overall and had job losses in three out of the last five months. And so it's not... uh, on a year over year basis, we're still adding jobs at about a 265,000 job pace. But at the same time, job growth has has definitely slowed and it's not just a, a nearing full employment thing because we're seeing that in the rest of the nation. A lot of economists point out that we're near full employment, which I totally agree with and that you expect to see employment growth slow as we get near full employment. Again, I totally agree with that as well. But that doesn't explain why the pace of growth has dipped way below the U.S. average, right? And why we've had a couple of months of consistent job losses. And so right. I'm not panicking yet, but jobs are a huge part of housing demand, right? And so in a place exactly. like San Francisco, where you've got $1.3 million median home prices or higher, almost $1.4 million now, Um, That makes sense when you've got a lot of folks with great jobs that are making six figures right out of college and things like that. But if we start to see continued job losses, some of which were in that professional and technical services category where some of those high income workers are, then you start to wonder about the demand side of the equation. Then we don't just have a supply issue. We've got a supply and a demand issue, and that's not good news for the housing market.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, you know, of course, we can always look at some numbers. But as you said, you know, we're not in a panic mode yet, um, but we should keep an eye on it. Um, yeah, it's just one of those
1: expected. keep an eye on. We're going to monitor that one closely. I don't think it's time to panic again. We're still running about 265,000 jobs ahead of where we were just last year, setting new all time highs. So but it's just one of those things that we keep an eye on early so that we don't get caught with our pants pulled down.
0: Definitely not. I mean, of, and of course, we will continue to report that uh, as uh, we see more numbers. So the last thing that we have on our list of the five of five is the student debt. Um, NAR just released a student debt, uh, student loan debt report. As they yep. release a report every year, I think they release one every year. And this year, again, they release it on their on their website. And uh, feel free to download it on the website. I believe for members, it's free. And uh, there are a couple of things that are uh, worth uh, looking at. The headline, of course, is that student loan debt continues to be an issue, and it's actually delaying um, people in buying home. And uh, I believe, based on the report, it's uh, on average delayed by about seven years. And, you know, if you take a look at, of course, this is this, this, no, these numbers are national numbers. Sure. And a lot, a lot of um, it's, a, it's a, report done by not just NER but with um, the um, another institute as well. I can't remember the name of the institute now. But based on the report, about seventy-six percent, I think. Um, give me, give me one second. Let me take a quick look at some of the numbers. Um, and this report uh, is primarily on millennials. And of right. course, obviously, for students, many students uh, who are, who graduated about five, six years ago probably have uh, still accumulated a lot of debt. You now, remember, uh, I think, remember twenty years ago, we probably didn't have as much debt uh, that we 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 need, you know, for uh, to uh, finish a, a college education.
1: Yeah, college need- is definitely not getting any cheaper.
0: That's for sure. Definitely not. Now, based on the number that I saw on the report, I see on the report, it says that you know, for younger younger millennial, about 76 percent. When I say younger millennial, those born between 1990 and 1998, 76 percent of them said the student loan debt definitely impacted their decision in purchasing a home. And for the older millennial, that's a very big number. Three quarters uh, of all the uh, younger millennial, the older millennial actually uh, it's, it's actually worse but not uh, far by far uh, a whole lot worse it's 78% still so we can Whoa. pretty much say you know 3 quarters of,
1: um, yeah so no i think that's, that's a huge issue on top of you know already weak affordability conditions right i mean that's just the kind of straw that's breaking the camel's back if you will because the the housing prices here especially in california are very daunting for younger folks in particular and then on top of that, you're talking about these extra debt burdens that they're carrying around. I do have mixed feelings. I mean, going to college should be something that boosts your income and helps you also um, have the wherewithal to afford a home. But you know, at what cost? I guess is is the point that it's bringing up in in the NAR report is that you really have to spend a lot to to be able to get that extra income going these days.
0: Right. I mean, I've heard you know anecdotally that. You know, when people pay for a college, four year college, or maybe even graduate school, it's basically buying a house. You know, you have to accumulate amount, you have to, uh, the, the debt that you could accumulate, accumulated could be, let's say 200,000, 300,000, and so on and so forth. Now, of course, um, for California, we don't have a specific study for California, but you can just imagine the impact in more, because a lot of the students, Instead of, let's say, if you don't have any student loan debt, you can actually accumulate you know, some down payment. And you know how much it is to accumulate the, the 20% down payment that we have for a 40 uh, Right. For a 5,000 home, it would be $100,000. That's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's just on top of our already unaffordable housing costs, you know, it becomes a recruitment issue and just a deeper economic issue is, is how do we get folks to want to stay here after they graduate or move here to work for our businesses or businesses who want to expand here when the the amount of money that you have to pay these folks to both meet those student loan payments and the exorbitant cost of housing makes it really unattractive for for a business to want to be here or for somebody who's a skilled worker to want to relocate here right you're even if you get a great salary you're going to see a lot of that get eaten up by by a lot of these costs that we're talking about and so it it makes places like you know denver and austin texas and seattle and places like that uh, a lot more attractive by comparison and i think that's going to be an issue that we're going to continue to battle moving forward
0: absolutely now before we wrap up i just want to throw in a couple more numbers um you know what we talked about earlier of course it probably give you a sense of, you know, mainly for uh, people who are first-time buyers or entry-level buyers, but NER actually did a, um, a breakdown also by people who might be moving up or selling a home and then buying another. Uh, in fact, for the older millennial generations, uh, those who were born again between 1980 and 1989, about 27% of them actually said it's too expensive to move That's and insane. upgrade to a new home partly because of the student loan debt. So it's yep. all, it's not only affecting the first time buyers, but it's also affecting the uh, move up buyer or trade up buyer or trade down buyer, whatever you want to say. So it is affecting the housing market, not only in the first time buyers market, but also repeat buyers market.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, and it's it's a, a missed opportunity or or something that we need to keep an eye on and getting those housing costs under control. Because again, we we do better as a society when folks get that education and can accumulate those higher levels of income. Uh, but we don't want to overly burden these people financially to make that happen.
0: Definitely, you're absolutely right. So that's our top five for five or five for five, and I think uh, we kind of run out of time. Um, And so next time, uh, well, before next time, before Expo, we probably will have another episode. Um, So we'll plug that again. But uh, if you haven't registered for Expo, make sure you do so. Um, But also another thing I want to plug in is the investor survey. I know um, you have an investor survey webinar coming up, Jordan.
1: Yep, end of the month in September, we're gonna be talking about our investor survey and looking at who's buying, what are they buying, and why, and and how you can get a piece of that action. So I hope you'll join us for that. We also have a new city-level dashboard where you can get awesome city-level statistics on our website. Uh, Go down within your county and pick out any city you want. Look at a, a variety of market statistics at a much more granular geographic level, and then you can even export those as a PDF or an image to share on social media, or take to a listing presentation, or whatever you want. So we hope those are really useful, and if you have any feedback on those, we'd love to hear that too.
0: Perfect. Um, so yeah, just tune in and uh, to the investor surveys. And until next time, so we probably will do another one, as I said, you know, in two weeks or three weeks or so. Um, so until next time, we will we'll, uh, we'll talk again very very soon.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right, have a good one.